Welcome into this episode of Show Your Scars with Jordan and Angeli, a look inside the journey back from a devastating injury. We may not choose for this to happen to us, but we appreciate who we become in the process. Now let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. Guys, I don't know about you, but I have hundreds of old t-shirts that carry meanings and memories and I don't know what to do with them. I put them in a box, they sit there, but I can't give them away. Q Project Repat. They are taking old t-shirts and turning them into new blankets so you can see those memories every single day. Project Repat has produced over 200,000 blankets and they're all custom. You send in the shirts, they make it so easy, and on the back they put fleece that's made out of recycled plastic. So not only is it warm and cozy, but it's helping the environment as well. Project Repat also stands for repatriating textile jobs back to the U.S. There are now 50 people making t-shirt blankets in this country. All in all, this is awesome, you guys. A turnaround time is two to four weeks. You can have anything from a 16 shirt blanket to a 64 blanket. Since you guys are avid listeners to Show Your Scars podcast, you get a special 30% discount on your own Project Repat blanket. Go to Project Repat, that's Project R-E-P-A-T dot com, and use the code SHOWYOURSCARS to get your memories turned into a cozy blanket now. Do it. It's the perfect time. Hey, guys. I hope you're doing well. This is Jordan with Show Your Scars. We've got a good episode today, and I'm really stoked because this is somebody I've known for a while, and he is heavily involved in the soccer scene I have been wanting to interview him for a while, but we have both been busy, as he kind of alludes to early on in the podcast, which is cool. I think if you know anything about soccer, a pretty cool team he has been involved with in the last few weeks. But I had a chance to talk to Robbie Elliott, and Robbie Elliott played for 17 years in England uh, from 91 to 2008, and gosh... If you think about playing in the championship and in the Premier League like he did for so many years, it is just outstandingly amazing that he played for that many years. It's such a competitive league, and Robbie Elliott sustained injuries, and he got back, and he continued to perform. Most of his time was with Newcastle United, his childhood club. He talks about growing up three miles from the stadium and how cool it was for his family and friends to have him a part of the team that meant so much to that city. His first injury, he speaks about just an awkward fall and how he created kind of his own mini injury club that they had a place that he went and trained once a week for every month and how that was like his own little mini ACL club and one of the things that helped us launch not only show your scars but the ACL club was that idea of community in the injury process he talks about how his ACL surgery at 17 was really difficult him being naive in the process was really helpful because he knew that he was going to get back to sport, even though the whole surgery process was different. And you'll hear him talk a little bit more about that. You'll hear me just in awe a lot talking about playing in the Premier League because that is, you know, even saying it is crazy to me. He also broke his leg. He talks about how, what he did during that rehab process to get better and to immediately impact his team when he got back. 
both of his mindsets when he was coming back from injury are really intriguing and I think helpful for anybody going through an injury, no matter what it is. Then lastly, this is a podcast where we're talking more about the parental side of things. And unfortunately, the within the last year and a half, Robbie's son also tore his ACL and he talks about that process of how hard that was on him, how it felt like his soul was being destroyed and he would have wished to take that pain off of his son in an instant. Uh, His advice he gave to kids and parents and how it's a very difficult thing to do. But one of the big things I liked was every day is different and I think anybody can relate to that and it's a good thing for a parent to know in the process. So you guys, Robbie Elliott, what a cool guy. I couldn't have had a better time talking with him and I hope you guys enjoy it just as much as I did. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I shan't complain, thanks. Yeah. A little bit little bit tired from traveling, but that shouldn't be a complaint. Yeah, where are you coming back from? Um, I did Miami, New York, LA last week. So I was chasing some of the uh the teams who were over for the ICC competition. Yeah. That's that so, doesn't sound like a bad gig. Oh no, I'm not, I'm not definitely not complaining. So <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun and a lot of long days, but definitely worth it. Yeah, were you working with them specifically, or were you like working with some of their training staff, or what was your involvement it's, with that? It's more meeting the staff. So I've got a, a panel I put together, and one of the guys is in the PSG staff, and one's on the Manchester City. So I was meeting them when they were in the country right. and then meeting Tottenham because we've just taken over their contract. Um, and then I've got a couple of cool ones like the Miami Dolphins and New York FC when I was on my travel. So, yeah, yeah, it was good. Cool. So that's for um, for Nike? Yes. Okay. That's That sounds like a nice trip. Yep. Like <laughs> I say, it's three very good places, but... I didn't get to see that much of them. Right, you're just working like no other during that time, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, well, you spend a lot, you know, yourself when you're on trips, you you can't guarantee when people are going to be free. So there was a lot of times that in lobbies waiting for, for staff to, to be available. Was, yeah, them to get out of meetings bit. or them to get back from the training field or whatever. Yeah, and one of them's a physio, so... There was always a player going to get hurt the day I wanted to go and see him. So it worked out okay. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I'm really excited that we finally get to talk <laughs> and kind of get you involved in this. I know that we've um, talked over the last few months just with your son going through his injury, and we'll kind of talk about that in a little bit. But I kind of want people to know who you are because you're quite the – soccer stud in in my opinion I mean you had a long career and I I think maybe just tell your background in football and maybe where you grew up in England and how you got your I mean the the team that you ended up playing with was your the team that you grew up in in that city correct yes yeah so I I mean for a an athlete growing up especially in England that must have been a dream come true to kind of see that all come to fruition. Yeah, so I, I started at Newcastle age 12. Um, and then 
as funny as it sounds now, you sign forms at age 14 called schoolboy forms. So that means that you you don't train full time. You still go to school, but you assigned to the club. So you, so you can't play for anyone else. Okay. Then age, age 16, I left school and went full time. It's called Scholar now. It was a YTS apprenticeship. So we were getting paid £27.50 per week, which we thought was mini millionaires at right. the time. It was, <laughs> it was crazy. And then age 17, I made my first team debut for Newcastle. Do you, um, do you remember that day pretty vividly? Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things you never forget, and hopefully I never will. Um, Middlesbrough away, which is a bit of a local derby, and I managed to get on the pitch. Unfortunately, we lost the game, but that's when you realise that this is this is your life. You sat there after watching, growing up watching Newcastle week in, week out, and then you pull on the shirt and, and sat in the dressing room with all the, the big players. It was it was a special night. Yeah, picking your job from the floor a few times. Like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> to, be on to be honest, that was my whole career. When, yeah. when I used to look around the dressing room, and it's, yeah, that never changed from that day. Yeah. Um, what a cool experience. And m maybe one of those, the reasons that you did have, I mean, your career, what was it, 16, 15, 16 years? Yeah, I was professional for 17 years. Yeah, I mean, that's a long, long career, especially at that elite of a level, you know, between um, – you you were kind of between the premiership and the championship, correct? Like, back and forth a little correct. bit? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a hell of a career. And to sustain that, even with um, challenges, do you feel like some of that is due to, like, the fact that you just said, you know, it never changed? I always felt, like, so – honored to be in that locker room or, or, or um, that feeling that you had of just feeling like this was a dream come true? Do you feel like that was one of the reasons why you you could stay in the game for so long? Yeah, I think it also with, and we'll get to it, we'll talk about the injuries, you, you never take anything for granted. So every day was you went into work as if it was your last day. And that's something I took very early in my career, picking up the, the injury, age 17. It's I realized how how hard a work it was going to be. And yeah. thankfully that stuck with me all through my career. So your first injury was when you were 17, that first year of signing? Yeah, so I, I was um, I was in the first team squad and then we have a, a competition called the Youth Cup, which is like the, the FA Cup for the academy teams. Okay. So I went I went back down to play for, for the Youth Cup team and uh, sort of fell awkwardly in a game. Um, didn't think too much about it um physios were concerned enough to take me off the field but it was one then where i was walking around after the game and a little bit of swelling um gave it a couple of weeks rest and then went back out to train and and seemed to break down again just felt mm -hmm. that something wasn't right um we then went back into the treatment room and tried to build the leg up and just get those muscles really strong around my knee. And then again, I went back out and broke down for the third time, which really was the one where we said, look, it was before the day, really, the scan. So the first option was for the surgeon to have a look at my knee, have a little arthroscopy. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. So I travelled down to London by myself, uh, just expecting the little clean out of my knee and 
and woke up to the doctor telling me that I'd done my ACL, which at that time I, I knew nothing about. Yeah. It was it wasn't a, a big injury that was very common. So made my way back up Newcastle, uh, met with the the club doctor and decided that the the route was uh an ACL patella tendon surgery. So that so when a, when they do the first they didn't you didn't wake up and they were like you we did your ACL you woke up and they no. just basically told you what was going on in there and then you had the ability to make a decision on what was the right way to go. Yes, yeah, so the <sighs> at the time there was the two types of surgeries the, the patella tendon uh-huh. where they they cut the the tendon up from the knee and use that or there was the hamstring and the surgeon at Newcastle was more comfortable and wanted me to go the patella tendon route. Uh-huh. So I um I got my got my operation done. I was in a, a plaster for what seemed like months and probably was when I look back. Yeah. Um and it was back in the day when there was no big sports science support. So I, we had one physio at the club who was fantastic. And he was actually still at the club now. Wow. That's awesome. And, yeah. I owe him and the surgeon my career basically and I let them know more than one occasion what I thought of them so because it was one of those he was always at the start of the week I would get to work with him but the closer it got to the weekend the, he was more focused on the, the players who were playing yeah. I'd go to a place called Lillishaw which is the National Training Centre or was in England and they had a rehabilitation centre where everyone or every club had access to send players there. So it was always long-term injuries that'd be going. And it was brilliant because for one, it was a change of scenery. Yeah. Two, it was intense treatment and rehab. And thirdly, you were in a room with maybe 10 to 12 players with the same injury, but at different stages and different types of recovery. So it was a support group more than anything else. When I look back at it. Yeah, that's so interesting because that's that's one of the reasons that I started the ACL club and is because I would go to physical therapy and I'm like, I would start these conversations. It didn't matter if it was somebody who was ahead of me in their progress or behind me in their their rehab. It was like, no matter who they were, like we felt like we were connected and to have that, especially with an elite group of male athletes, I feel like would be kind of like a safe place where like you can actually feel and be honest about what's going on in your rehab with other people who are trying to get back to the same level of sport as you. Oh, definitely. I mean, it was nothing against the club at the time, but being injured, it's very lonely and then long, long dark day so to be to be with a group in the same same position but maybe the same injury different type of surgery or or further on the line or just had the injury and it wasn't just ACLs there was there was all sorts of injuries and all sorts of different sports there as well so it was age 17 it was just a, a huge eye-opener and because we lived on the site as well we'd just sit and listen to the senior pros tell stories about their career and it, it was the real education. So yeah. once once every month, once a week for every month, for maybe six months, I'd be down there, and it it was it it really helped me in the on the road back. Yeah, that's a really interesting. Um, that would be a cool thing to kind of like implement in some ways. Like if that were something you could do here, is like a, a rehab center, you know, with specific 
you know, specialized physical therapists and return to sport specialists and people could go for a week or two at a time and really get some intensive, not only like hands-on treatment, but some training. And I don't know, that brings up a lot of thoughts in my mind because that seems like such a, a beneficial, like, you know, in just hearing you talk about it, like such a big part of your rehab and how you got through it all. Oh, without doubt. I mean, not only were the physios fantastic, it was it was in the middle of the country, so you were, you were focused on your rehab. You were miles away from anything, but also it gave you a chance to escape from that day-in, day-out grind at the club where there's nothing worse than watching all your mates go out and kick the ball about, and you're, right. you're just sat there waiting for the trainer, and it it's soul-destroying in, in those days of the hard days, and then you go down there and you, you look around and you Sometimes you just think you're not in that bad a position because I think out of a group of 10 maybe when I was there, Mm -hmm. I was the one that actually got the career. A lot of them didn't even make it back because of the type of surgery or the because it was such a, it wasn't a common injury at the time. Yeah. I mean, I was was incredibly lucky with the, the surgery I had. Yeah. Well, even, I mean, you talk about just the differences in, the surgery from now, I mean, what, 25 years later after after that, 30 years later, it, the differences in how you rehab something. Like, you're not in a plaster, you know, hard cast. You are moving your knee pretty quickly. All those things almost seem like you don't know any different at the moment, right? You're just you're trying to figure out a way to get through this surgery. But do you look back and kind of think like, man, I am so lucky to have gotten through that? Because at that point, it wasn't really an injury that a lot of people came back from. No, certainly. And and even to this day, I've got full extension on my knee, but my bend is about not far past 90. Hmm. But the extension is the important one for running. So it's just little things like that that just make you just grateful. And, yeah, I was incredibly yeah. lucky to get through it. Yeah. Do you remember any other, like, um, any other things you did mentally or um, to help you emotionally in that in that time? I mean, you're, you're a young kid. You're 17. You're, you know, supposed to be an adult right you have this big job and this big career and this but that's a challenging time and I think um especially for a lot of people going through injuries in youth sports right now you know unfortunately there's a lot of injuries and how do you kind of I think one of the hardest thing is separating like who who you are as a soccer player and who you are as a person like that the soccer player doesn't define you as a person yeah it's weird because I think uh, the naivety got me through it as well because I, not for one second, I think I wasn't going to be playing football again. Mm-hmm. And that was probably because I didn't know that much about the injury itself. I, I just looked at it as, yeah, I've had a bad knee, but it'll get better. Yeah. And I think it's a, a lot of it now is a scare when you hear ACL now because there's so many people get scared about it. But as long as you, the surgeon does a good job and the rehab is you do your right stuff and do the sets and, and what you need to do, then mentally I, I never ever thought about not getting back on that pitch. Right. And that's a and really good point too. Yeah, and even when I watched my friends who I'd grown up with on that pitch, it just made me want to go out there even more. 
how, what was your return? Like, do you remember the timeline, how long it took you to get back into playing again? I want to say it was about 12 months. I think yeah. at the time that was, that was the, the date they normally put on it. Um, I do remember my first game back, like a behind closed doors practice game. And the, the physio tells the story how he was a little bit concerned, wasn't sure. And then he looked out the window and I wiped someone out in the first 30 seconds. And he just <laughs> closed, he closed the window and went back to work and said, I'm happy now. So, oh, Do you remember that tackle? I don't remember the tackle. I remember the, the game itself. Yeah. But the the fact that he was, it just took something like that. And I think that a lot of the time is when you're coming back from the knee injuries is people go a little bit tentative. And it's something we talk about across the sport in itself at the minute. We we don't make robust players. We're, we're too soft on them. And yeah. sometimes we don't push them enough. So the, we don't know what players are capable of. Hmm. That's a, I mean, that's a really good point. I, I think there's such a bad, you know, the, the hard thing is there's a delicate balance in that, right? Like if you do, especially coming back from injury, if you are tentative in any ways, like you could be putting yourself in a worse position than just being like free and free to play the way that you play and be tough and be hard and get into big tackles because, um, when you get into tackles like that, you've learned so much of how to tackle correctly, right? That if you do it full out, then you're actually performing it properly as, as opposed to being tentative. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you look across your career, I'm sure you've seen more people get hurt who are pulling out the tackles and the ones that actually go into a tackle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that year, so you get back to um, playing and then had some success with the in those next few years right you had success was that before your next um your injury your yeah, next so injury was was a little bit farther away right you had some time where you were playing and scoring goals and like contributing to Newcastle yeah so got back got back fully fit and then managed to play for England 18s and England and 21s uh, finished second a couple of times in the Premier League with Newcastle. Gosh, and I can't even was... like I can't even fathom what that is like. Like that makes just me smile so big to be like that's that was your life. Like you competed in with the best of the best. Like how cool is that? Does it still make you like super proud? Yeah, I think it's when you take a step away and when you finish, then you look back and you realize how big a deal it was. Yeah. I think one of the, one of the great stories of my first time in Newcastle, we lost the game 4-3 to Liverpool. Uh-huh. And I, it, it was maybe three years ago, I was working at US Soccer and I'm, I'm having to leave a camp to go back to the UK and they're saying, what are you going back for? I said, oh, we're going to celebrate a game. And they said, oh, what cup did he win? I'm like, oh no, we didn't win a cup. And they're like, so what did he win? I went, but we didn't actually win. We lost the game 4-3. But you're going back to celebrate it. And we had a sellout. I think there was like 8,000 at the game watching a, a game that we lost celebrating it because it was voted the best ever game in, in Sky Sports history. Oh, my gosh. That is so... I mean, that's just so cool that you were a part yeah, of that. I in mean... Newcastle itself, it's 
it's a small it's a small city and basically people go to work to earn money to buy a ticket for the game buy a couple of pints and buy a black and white shirt mm-hmm. and that keeps them happy that is that's what the city is about and when we were doing well the is like no place on earth yeah that sounds i mean and for you too to grow up did you grow up in newcastle itself yeah yeah, yeah. i mean grew up three miles from the stadium wow I bet your family and your friends, like, not only an experience for you, but to be a part of that with so many people that were close to you, too. And, um, gosh, that must have just been super special. And you scored you scored a, a good amount of goals. One season I read seven goals in, in a season. And do any of them stand out to you as, like, oh, this goal was, like, something I will never forget. Like, even the way it felt, like you can even feel the ball hitting off your foot or head or wherever it hit to go in the goal. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's there's one goal I scored which had huge significance. We beat Arsenal 1-0 at Highbury, and that got us in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, to score, score Arsenal was, <laughs> that was fantastic, to be honest. <laughs> that That's the one that's probably the most important goal I scored. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the best goal I scored, but it was probably the most important. Right. Sometimes the best ones are, are just those, right? It's not like the top bin shot that like everybody celebrates. It's like you scrap and fight and you follow the ball and you're in the right place at the right time and you help your team win a huge, huge game. Yeah, without doubt. I mean, the, getting in the Champions League at Newcastle, was, that was what we've been striving for for so long. So Mm -hmm. to be part of that team to get there was fantastic. Gosh, that's so cool. Um, And so coming off, so you have an injury, you get back and then you had another pretty serious injury. You broke your, you broke your leg. Was it the same leg as the knee? No. So it was a, it was a different leg. Um, I actually had a triple break. So I broke the tip fib twice with a spiral so again I was I was incredibly lucky um, it was the first game first home game at my new club at a new stadium and my studs got stuck in the turf oh. and the other player basically just sat on my leg and my, my leg had nowhere to go so it was nothing like a bad tackle it was just completely unfortunate Yeah, but I had a, a spiral so that meant they couldn't pin my leg so I was just looking at the gods that the the bones didn't disrupt too much and they were able to, to heal themselves. Really? Because normally I have a friend who did tib-fib and she had to get a rod in her leg. Yeah, no, I, I had nothing I couldn't because if, it was if the they way put it anything in with the, yeah, with the spiral, it was shattered. Wow. How long was that? How long were you out in that recovery? So. I was actually in hospital for six weeks. Um, you were in the hospital the... for six weeks. Yeah. Wow. Talk about yeah, time then... probably going slow. <laughs> yeah, and full plaster for three months, and then this was a is a similar story to Newcastle. It still wasn't the big sports science team, so my first day back at the club, I went in my crutches and. Asked the physio what I was doing today, and he pointed to the two lads on the table and said, "I'm getting them fit for the weekend. You get yourself in the gym, 
Hmm. I'm like, sounds good, but what the hell do I do in the gym? <laughs> so it's a, at, a, at a week or so when I'm just like, not really sure where where I'm going with this. So I ended up going back to college oh. and did a sports science. Um, I did a sports science course because I'm thinking if I need to do what I'm doing in the gym by myself, I want to learn about it and, huh. and know why I should be doing it. And uh, I did a, a year course, really enjoyed it. Um, at the same time, I tried one of my coaching badges, but I, I don't know, I was too young at the time or it just didn't feel right. Uh-huh. But I really enjoyed the sports science stuff. So I uh, I managed to use that, put it to good use and, and got back fit in 14 months from the, the injury. And then just played played the next three years yeah that's just cool how you took that um you know a lot of people would look at that and go into something where they're like oh well they didn't tell me what to do and so I couldn't get better and you were like well if I have to figure this out then I'm gonna do it to the best of my ability and I'm gonna maybe learn about were you were you always interested in that like sports science stuff because I know that's now something that you are doing a lot of but um is that something that you were interested in do you feel like your injury really pushed you in that direction or were you like oh this is a good opportunity um, a bit of both really i think in newcastle we we were a bit of a head of the game with the sports science side in the gym and i really enjoyed it i saw the benefit so it was something that i probably did get into at some point but it, it definitely forced my hand a little bit yeah yeah and so it was a year program and during that year you're going to school like uh you're you're working out are you with the team still like going in and having to be a part of the because you're with bolton at this this point at bolton yeah so yeah it was normal days training i mean wherever it is eight thirty to 2 and then i think it was two nights a week i'd go to college in study and then have assignments to do. And it was, a, it was an interesting time because it was a new club I joined and the year off actually gave me a chance to really sit back and see how the club worked and oh, uh-huh. the whole new type, a whole new group of players. And it gave the opportunity to educate myself about the team as well. So I arguably came back, a, well, I would say definitely came back a better player after my uh, my leg break. Yeah. Both physically and mentally. Do you think... Um, what it, what it, go ahead. You'd say what it does. You go. Yeah. Yeah. What I'd say is, when a, I've seen it myself, when a player plays a whole career, you don't have time to, to work on any imbalances or weaknesses that you might have. Whereas yeah. I used to take these, these injuries, or definitely the second one more so, and use it to work on weaknesses or anything, but it actually gave me the opportunity to come back a lot fitter and a lot stronger than what I would have done if I was just playing week in, week out. It's, I mean, that's one of the biggest things that I always think about with injuries too, is like, I I think there has to be a time when you like kind of mourn the loss of whatever it is, right? You're, you're mourning and you're upset that you can't do what you're wanting to be doing. But then there has to come a time pretty quickly after that 
um, you know, within the, the first couple weeks where you're like, you know what, like I have a big opportunity here for you. It was, you know, I'm with a new club, a new, under a new coach in a new organization with new teammates. Like, how do I figure this out and learn so much while I'm here that when I get back, I can kind of almost seamlessly fit back into this equation and, and provide the, um, part that they're missing, you know, or, um, and, and I think that players in all different sports don't learn enough during the time that they're injured. You know, there's so many, especially if you're a soccer player, right? There's the amount that's on TV now that we have access to is ridiculous. Like I didn't have that when I was growing up, like we can learn so much just by watching other players in different leagues and, um, really embracing the opportunity for growth, even in the midst of struggle. Without doubt, but also physically, every player needs to work on something. The gym, and mm-hmm. I just look at even my my kids now. The mount, the train, and they don't get time to take a step back and, and actually work on things. It's it's just play, 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 and that gave me an opportunity to take a step back and and work on little things. I mean, tedious things, but something that I know that when I got back playing in the team was going to help me stay fit for longer as well on the yeah what, on can the you, other side of the, the broken can you leg. think of those things right now like recall what those were that you specifically needed to work on and that time gave you the ability to do that I mean it's just really basic things I know obviously core strength was a big one at the time and and working on just because you've got one one leg you can't use, you can work on the other and mm-hmm. work on your balance and proprioception because I, I used to, after my ACL, there wasn't a, a day of training. I didn't do prep work before training or strength work after or before mm-hmm. the rest of my career. Yeah. And that was as much a, a mental thing for me as well. I needed to do it to make sure I felt I was ready to go out and train. Yeah. That's a really good point. And... Um just the, the little things, right? Like ch- checking the boxes that you can check to make sure you, the, you don't want to be at a point where you're like, I didn't do everything that I could have done to help myself. And I think those little things like the prep work that you do before training, the strength work, working on, um, you know, taking a step back and saying, you know, my core isn't, I don't feel like I really understood how to use my core until now. And I, I'm done playing and I'm like, gosh, darn it. I, yeah. I, I missed out on yeah. like, maybe some stability that I could have had that maybe would have, who knows? Like, I don't know if it would have helped me prevent my injuries, but I think it would have helped me perform better when I was on the field. So, um, it is, I, I mean, it's probably something that you're pretty passionate about just knowing the results of having a break and not, it doesn't have to be because you get injured, right? Can we help these younger athletes figure out a way to, keep themselves in the game but also do that by maybe taking a step back and not training so hard at the skills but training your body and your mind and um kind of that mind body connection I know there's there's a company that does a lot with like how your brain function works can help you with your balance and all you know all that stuff there's so many things that you can work on off outside of the field that are going to help you succeed on the field Oh, without doubt. And I think the other thing that the second big injury did was it made me grow up. And I realized that as much as I was living the dream, that the dream could change at any moment. Mm. So the the penny dropped with the 
with what I wanted to do after the after I'd finished. I knew the sports science was something I was interested in. And the number of my teammates who went throughout their career then at age 34, 35 and finished, I'm like, okay, what now? Yeah. Because they never had that time to... They always thought that dream was going to go and, and time goes so quick. I mean, I don't have to tell you how, how quickly seasons go one after the other. And it's these sort of things... I even told the professionals now, and a lot of them, the best thing that ever happened to them was to get a, an injury, not a, a really bad one, but one that just gave them a chance to take a step back and really understand that it's not forever. So enjoy it when it's there, but also have a look at what you want to do as well. Yeah. No, that's a good point because I do feel lucky in a way that I was able to kind of start a career in not only doing this this side of stuff with the ACL club and with this podcast, but also with broadcasting and kind of get a, a leg up in my time when I was injured on, on that because it, for so long as as humans, we play sport, right? But we're in school or we're doing other things and then you become a professional and it's like, that's your life. Like you eat, sleep, breathe, everything, football or soccer or whatever it may be. But it's not really like how we're, we're made to function. <laughs> and I think sometimes taking that step back, you know, if it is caused by injury, it gives you the ability to say like, yes, I love this game, but I also love to do other things in my life and my performance, maybe within my game would even be more accelerated if I, if off the field, I'm also engaging in something else that I like to do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, now and impossible to tell a kid whose dream it is to play football to to think they might end it any day. That, yeah. that just doesn't happen. So you, you do need that nudge. And and like I say, I, I would never look at back at my injuries and say, if only. I know yeah. at one point before my broken leg, I was I was talked about with the England team, but that would be the only thing that arguably I could have missed out on because who knows what path would have happened then. It, Anything could have happened. So you you can't look back and and blame injuries. The part and parcel of sport, unfortunately, is just how you you respond to them. Mm -hmm. Yep. And not only sport, but like life, right? (laughs) It's just, I mean, this sport is just a small glimpse at like all the things that you go through in life. And, um, you know, how you respond to things. So you, you clearly responded well and found a way to use something, not only that you're interested in post career, but also something that would help you in the moment. And you got back on the field, played for a while longer. And then did you, when, when you decided to step away from the sport, was it a clear kind of path back to sports, um, fitness oh gosh what's the word i'm looking for um the sport science 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 i was like fitness is not yeah. i was well i was thinking s and i was like it's not psychology because that's a p what if i think what's the word sports science was it a clear path or did you kind of have to were you building relationships and always kind of like keeping connections that you could um find your way post-career into what you really wanted to do so after bolton i went back to newcastle um, which was a huge thing for me. I got got the chance to go back to play for my hometown club. And mm-hmm. I mean, the the first year was just full on football, concentrating on on doing the best. But during that year, from what I learned at Bolton doing the college course, I spent a lot of time in the gym. 
And at okay. the time we had a we had a sports scientist at, at Newcastle and I got on really well with him. He would sort of use me as an example to the to the other players, um, getting the young lads in after training, do some stuff with them. And he pushed me to uh to continue my studies. So I actually went back to university and did a degree. So I did a part time sports science degree at Northumbria. So I'd go to lectures early in the morning, go to training, go back to lectures, and then the night time I'd work at the academy, learning wow. what I'd learned at the university and put it to use. So that was a four-year part-time course I did. Wow. That's intense. Yeah, it was, but it, I mean, literally was the best thing that I could have done because I, I qualified when I was still at Newcastle. And then I had a couple of years left playing. I could have continued longer. I went to a, a local club and the, the manager was just fantastic. He, he actually gave me two days a week where I could go into Newcastle and shadow the, the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. So I was still playing pro, but actually working my way into the, the coaching, the other side of it. Okay. With the, and then... What club was that I with, a, where you were playing with? So I was playing at Hartlepool, a local oh, club. Okay, yep. And, and then going to Newcastle. And then I, I had the option of maybe continuing my career for a couple of years, but Newcastle, at the end of that season when I was going to retire, Newcastle actually offered me a job with the reserves as a performance coach, sports scientist. And I knew that was that was a job for the rest of my life as opposed to scratching for another year or two playing yeah, football. Yeah. I was ready to make that move and these opportunities don't come up very often, so I jumped on it and, and ended up going from playing in Newcastle and to the other side of the fence and being a member of staff there. Yeah, and how 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 long were you there in the sports science part of Newcastle? So I was only there maybe eighteen months. Mm-hmm. But that was that was purely because I then got headhunted to come out to the US to work for US soccer youth teams. Okay. So I, I had the opportunity to to fill in for someone during a camp and within three days of the camp I got offered the job full time and <laughs> I didn't know I'd that. Always, yeah, I'd always wanted to travel as a player. So I was I was close to signing for Galaxy when Beckham signed. Okay. Basically basically the, the deal it was I well I thought practically solved and then then Galaxy pulled out last minute. So I'd always wanted to, to travel as a player. And this US soccer deal was, it never been there before. And it was just one that was too good to turn down. Right. So I left Newcastle and, and joined Nike and in US soccer and, and did the youth camps for, I think it was four years. Wow. So you were with all different um, youth teams. Were you with a specific team or did you kind of bounce around? So specifically, I, the job was with the U20 men's team with Thomas Rongen. And then as soon as other people got wind of it, Jill was on the phone and asked me to go and do a camp with, with her U20s. And then I basically did every every team from U20s down, apart from the, the men's 17s, which is a residential at the time. Right. How fun. What a great, um, I mean... 
you got to do something else that you, you know, didn't have the opportunity to do in England. You got to come here and um, travel with these teams and work with a variety of different, you know, all soccer athletes, but a variety of different probably needs within each team. How did you, how did you adapt to that? Cause that's, you know, soccer, soccer, one, we call it soccer um, here in America, right. Is, is different than England. Did you feel like there was an adaption or like, what did you notice about the, especially the youth athletes, that was something maybe positive and maybe something that right away as a sports science person, you were like, okay, maybe this is something we can get better at. So the, the men's twenties, when we went to, to Egypt, um, I just found it mind blown because we had a lot of college kids. We had players going into the World Cup that never played 90 minutes football before because of the, the of college, college system. Yeah. Huh. And that was something that I just could not get my head around. And it was, uh, we had some very good players. We had, we had more college than pros. And after that World Cup, I think Thomas came back and said, we can't go into a World Cup with players who have never played 90 minutes before. That just is a recipe for disaster. So he went out and, and did a lot of, I wouldn't say recruiting, but homework and got a lot of like the German-based players. And if you look at the rosters now for the World Cups, they're, they're all pros. Yeah. There's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no college kids. So that was a really interesting thing. Um, the other thing I would say was one of the best traits of the, the American players was they'll do whatever the coach asks them. Mm-hmm. And they'll always ask, why is it not why, why we're doing this? It's like, why are we doing this? How, why is it helping me? How is it helping me? But that also, on the flip side, can be the worst trait because if they're getting coached the wrong things, they're yeah. going to do them. Right. <laughs> and the, we would have players who came to the the U20s and going to World Cups and they didn't know how to close down a player. They didn't, their club told them they didn't have to track back because you just stand halfway line, we get the ball, we'll get it to you. And you're like, well, that is, that's not going to help the game. <laughs> going forward so it's, huh. there, was, there was a lot of interesting conversations during that time but it was it was fantastic I mean I'd never worked in the female game before I came here uh-huh. and, and working with those athletes it was just so refreshing there was no there was no egos there was no nothing they didn't claim that they knew everything they just wanted to get better uh-huh. and that was so refreshing after working with young professionals in England I mean there's some fantastic characters out there, but there's also the the ones that think they know it. And I didn't find out I got that when I came to the States. Yeah. That's a nice, like, um, especially as a coach and someone that's at that time, you know, sports science was just like, you probably were one of the first people in that position within U.S. soccer, correct? I was the first youth yeah. one that I ever had. Yeah, so to have somebody coming in that's so different than anybody had ever, like we hadn't as youth players ever experienced something like that, to have uh, players who were like listening to what you're saying and why it was important and learning from you, I'm sure, was um, very helpful coming into something so new for for you and for them too. Yeah, I think we, we both learned as we, as we went, although mm-hmm. I did find out that one of the players for two years did not understand the word I said and just <laughs> nodded and smiled and copied the person in front. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Is that a girl or a boy? Can you disclose who this is? It was a girl. 
I, I won't disclose the you... name because she's still playing. Oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, but at least she was good at mimicking other people. <laughs> yeah, she she picked it up very quickly, I think. <laughs> um, so your position now is still you're you're with Nike like full time now, right? You have been for a couple years. Yeah. Uh, nearly nine now. Oh gosh, look at look at that. Um, yeah. And I know you know I know we work together in NWSL, and you guys have come out and does, done some testing with our specific teams, but. Um, kind of explain maybe what you do at Nike and, um, I mean, and then you said you just went and visited all these teams. So what are you doing when you go visit these teams as well? Yeah, so I work in the, the Nike Research Lab in a small team called Sports Performance Insights. So our, our job, we have a little mission statement and it's delivered data, knowledge and insights that can drive product and service innovation to the understanding of the elite athletes, the way they perform, the sport and the environment in which they compete. So basically our job is to to link the the lab with the outdoor world, the real world, Mm -hmm. where obviously the best testing is out on the field. And my job is multi-sport, but obviously my background tends to to drive me into the soccer. Yeah. Um, How... Like so, you're you're essentially taking the data and what you're collecting and trying to, are you trying to um, produce like help help with the engineering of products that can maybe help players perform better, or are you trying to help with the way that players train and um, providing insight to the people that work specifically with the teams, maybe that you oversee on like here's here's something we found that can be helpful, or how ex- is it all kind of all-encompassing it's a bit of everything it all depends on if someone's got a question they come to us then we can we can help answer we we partner with teams on projects and or we or it might just be trying to understand how the game is changing and where we see it going to make sure that the product is capable of doing and matching the demands of the game right Right. I always, I think I talked to you about this when we, when you came out, you guys came out and tested us when I was in Washington, but man, if you could make a cleat that like doesn't hurt your knee when you come back from an ACL injury, gosh, but the hard thing is right. Everybody's, everybody's so different and you can't really create something that would be all encompassing, but, um, well, that would be the dream. Right. Um, well, cool. It sounds like, I mean, I, I know you guys do some cool things there. How big is the team that you work on? Oh, there's only a team of eight wow. within the, within our group. And you have teams from, you know, I know you mentioned, uh, New York city FC to PSG, like you're all over the world. Yeah. So basically we're, we're linked with any, any Nike affiliated team or federation or, or individual. It's, mm-hmm. If yeah. you ever need our help or would, would like our help, that we we're there to help with. Right, um, that's cool. It's great to hear, like, um, you know, big companies. You know, I know Nike well as I was an athlete for them for a couple of years, but you know, just be, being innovative, trying to help, not only like, um, you know, not only having the the business side of it, but how can we help per, our our players perform better, our teams perform better, and and make sure we're looking out for 
you know, from anything you said from a team to an individual, like that's, it's nice to hear that that's something that is getting taken after as well. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, we want players to be able to perform to the best, but we also want them to perform safely. So that's a, another huge thing that we look at. It's, there's a line and you can't cross it. We can't push too much, but obviously the, the safety of the athlete comes first and we can add some performance as well. And that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, did you... So another thing that I feel like is really unique about your story and how I mean you've kind of got like all these different aspects of like how to get through an injury not only like the sports side of things but the personal side but now you've kind of within the last year experienced this parental side of things as your son went just went through an ACL injury how how was that for you is that a tough experience to see him kind of go through um, an injury that you you yourself had been through yeah, I mean, it was soul destroying. I'd much rather it was myself <laughs> again. Yeah, I was actually I was at the game when he did it, and I knew exactly what he'd done before. Well, obviously before he did, but before the we had the scans, it was it was a non-contact. It was just the the classic knee mm-hmm. ACL, but he he managed somehow to do a meniscus tear and microfractures. Oh wow. So he he managed to do the full the full one. So bless him, he watched him go through the the surgery. But then, like we spoke before about the the differences, he came out of theatre and that night he was on the machine going through range of motion work, and it yeah it just blew my mind how quickly they get people moving now. And I mean, my scars like a the shock bite on my knee and he's just got these tiny little clean and his surgery little... was more like with the microfracture that's more invasive than yours would have been if it was you know performed now so that's crazy that his scars are so tiny as well yeah and without the microfracture the, the time scale is it's cut in half mm-hmm. and that's not even being aggressive with the rehab I know if you're on a full-time professional club that you can get a lot more intense work so that was the hard bit for for Ethan he he was at school so he'd have to get up at five o'clock in the morning to do his exercises before school and then when he got back from school he'd be back on them again and it's it's not easy at least if if that's your one job like it was for me professional you have time to do it yeah to put it around school was I mean, it was an eye-opener because it, it showed me that he's not not scared of hard work and to, to put the shift in to get back. Yeah, it's probably, I mean, probably as a parent, it's, like you said, it's so hard. I, can, I mean, I can't even imagine. It's so hard to see your child go through that. But in those moments where you see them pushing and, you know, persevering, it probably makes you so proud to um, see what they're really made of. Oh, without doubt, and and I think on the on the flip side, Ethan saw that I'd gone through it so many years ago with not as good technology, not as good rehab, not as good, and still had a seventeen-year career. So it was nice to, in the back of his mind, he knew that it wasn't necessarily the end. Mm-hmm. It was just a a little change, a little pause in in playing, and you know, the other other things to focus on. But 
I think that was in the back of his mind. That must have helped as well. Yeah. As a parent going through this, do you remember time that, um, or like something that had gone on or like a period during the process that was really hard for maybe him to handle and you didn't know how to help him through it or something that came up that like now having gone through it, you would like to give encouragement or like um, help parents with how they can maybe potentially confront that situation or help through a situation that was difficult? Um. That's a tough one. I think the the important thing for any any kid is to join the, the rehab is just so important. There's there's no shortcuts to getting healthy and fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one thing I I would always really be hard on Ethan with if he's given so many reps to do or so many long days. Don't be cutting two minutes off because once you've done that ten times, then it's a full session that you've missed. Mm. So it. It, it's hard work. It, it's never fun. And the, the times when I'd have to be on his back, but he wanted me to do that to, to make sure he was getting up to do the, the ice or the the range of motion. And yeah. you, you just got to push. You you need someone there to, to push you along the way as well, because it's, we all know it's a long, it's a long journey and you can't do it by yourself. Yeah. Um, how much of your sports science came in to to play helping him back from this were you pretty involved like was he telling you what 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 he was doing and kind of were you helping him especially probably with the return to play aspect of it maybe you could have some more um insight with that yeah i mean it was i have a lot of connections obviously in the game so i reached out to a lot of people and we got some of the the best programs the best that's out there with with some of the clubs that we work with um, I think the psychological side was the most important in the early days. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I'm I'm into as well, and and done quite a bit of stuff with. So just just keep it reality because I know kids can go off on on massive downers and and think it's the end and we'll be up again because something's happened and. Just the little little targets was what we used to set, and don't be disappointed if you don't hit them. It, sometimes it's got nothing to do with you that you haven't hit that target. Yeah. And the rehab bit was once he got clearance from the like the doctor, the surgeon to go and actually train, and that was where I got involved more with him, like on the field, like you said, if he turned to play stuff. Mm-hmm. And with the early the psycho the you know psychological aspect early on, it's that's such a you know it's hard. Everybody's so different. But is there anything that you could say that could help people through that support role on from a psychological um, standpoint? Yeah, like you just said, every kid's different and every day is different. That's the thing. It's just reacting to how how they need you to to be. That's mm-hmm. the that's the hard bit. I think the I've had discussions with a couple of parents whose kids have done ACLs over the last year or two and they were they thought it was the end of the world and he's never gonna make it to college, he's not gonna get a scholarship. Well this day and age, like I said before, there's there's absolutely no reason why you can't come back fit and stronger and use that time to really work on yourself and mentally get strong and you'll come out the other end a better better person and better player. Yeah. 
I, I do. I think that's such something that like, just those last words that you said is something that should continue. Like that's what should, should be focused on, right? Like it is, it is difficult and you can't underestimate how hard it is, but you also have to continue to grasp on to like, I can come back from this, like better than I was before. Like you had mentioned, you have the ability to work on little things in your game, in your uh, training in the gym that you didn't have the ability to work on and you can go back to the field and feel more balanced and have better uh, core control or, you know, your left foot is now so much stronger than your right foot because you worked on that in your rehab. Like there's so many things that you can work on and even focusing on that instead of like focusing on like my knees injured, I have to fix my knee. You can, that in itself helps you mentally. Yeah, and I, th- I think the other thing is obviously the scholarships are a huge thing over mm-hmm. here in, in yeah. colleges, and even it was refreshing to hear a couple of c- coaches I know through US soccer saying that sometimes if they've known a kid who's come through a, a big injury, then it means that they've got the work rate, the desire that mm. they want at their colleges because they know it means so much to them. And it that was something that was quite interesting to hear coming from them they they see it like that yeah and that's it's so true i think if you i mean once we're on this side right and we know what it takes to get through something it is it is you want that in a in a person that you have within your your team not only as a player but as a person you know because if you if things don't go right for you at a school and you have to sit on the bench or is that the kind of person that you want who's just sitting there in content or is it the person who's going to push the other players right because they want to get back and and get on the field it's just kind of a personality trait that I think is desirable for coaches and you know even beyond that for employers yeah definitely I mean I I saw him grow up a lot over the over the year without a shadow of a doubt yeah um how's he doing now back fully fit um he starts college in September which is pretty scary but yeah Yeah. (laughs) where's he going (laughs) He's going to Oregon State. Oh, nice. That'll so, be good. You'll get to go and probably see a lot of games, hopefully. Well, he's actually, he's, it's interesting. He's going as a walk-on because he missed the like the big scholarship scouting year. Oh, okay. But, but the one thing that has come from the his knee surgery, whatever you want to call it, he, um, he wants to be a, a med student. Okay. So he actually... He's made friends with the surgeon who did his knee, and he actually gets it to go and observe operations, puts the scrubs on, and he uh, he wants to be an orthopedic surgeon. Wow, that's pretty so cool. It's something that is he's changed his dream from being a pro football player to to arguably still being in the game mm-hmm. as an orthopedic surgeon, and this has surely come from the the operation. Wow. So it's. Yeah, it, it's an interesting term, but one that, I mean, it's fantastic. AJ Keen, I had one thing I wanted to do, and that was it. And if I didn't do it, I wouldn't have a clue what, I'd, what I would have done. Right. But he's got his head screwed on and knows, knows where he wants to go now. Yeah, talk about, you're probably so proud of that. Oh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's you couldn't get much better than, than knowing AJ Keen and, and having the drive, because... Mm-hmm. That takes huge drive as well. It's yeah. we know ourselves. No, 
you think football's a hard life and hard career, then you get in the real world. And... Yeah, you're like, whoa, this is so much harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of things. That... <laughs> difficulties in every profession. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, cool. I mean, it was so good to talk to you and kind of hear, you know, I've known a little bit about your story, but to get to like um, tell more people about it and share your different um kind of all the different realms that you have touched within your playing career and now your professional career it's it's just cool it's cool insight and um yeah it's just it's great talking to you Robbie yeah I appreciate the uh the call and the the invitation yeah I know that you um I mean this is this is such a big thing that's on my heart and I'm sure you too having gone through it and now seeing your kid go through it but you know the the number of injuries especially ACL injuries is just staggering and you know how how are we gonna help this how are we gonna help make this like is it just the way the game games are played now is it we are focused too much on like performance on the field that we don't look at how we're training like with um, prep for these kids. Like can they do activation programs that help them uh, not, not completely, you know, say that you're not going to tear your ACL, but will that help minimize their risk of tearing their ACL? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I wish I had the answer because, it's something that we we look at day in day out and Mm -hmm. it is quite staggering how many across all sports injuries there are nowadays and it's I don't think it's one thing otherwise it would have been someone would have worked it out by now yeah Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a combination of a lot of things and some things that you can't control but some things that arguably we could do a better job of, of helping with yeah um yeah, I think about that a lot. Of course, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not only, you know, are we warming our bodies up properly? Are we strength training properly or, or, um, working on those performance, not, not even strength training, but just the performance side of things. But then again, are we like having enough, even as youth coaches, are we doing a good enough job of instilling in our players? Like if our players are too tired to train or have been doing too much are we telling them that they can't train you know or if they do they have the ability to come up to us and say like I'm I just don't feel like training today is in my best interest are we trusting that that is something that they're doing um because they know their bodies or they're trying to get out of training you know there's so many there's so many things I think it's not just it's not just on the the performance side of things but it's like a societal thing as well like how sports are played now and how coaches act and how parents act and how the players act yeah i wish it was just one thing that we could we right. could solve quite easily but yeah we'll, we'll keep going with it we'll yeah That's you guys you thing. guys keep doing you guys keep doing your thing and i'll make sure i check in and and see if you can figure it out <laughs> there you go sounds good <laughs> all right thank you so much robbie You're welcome. Nice to speak to you. Yeah, you too. Robbie Elliott, that was a really interesting conversation to me because I feel like there were so many things, not only as a player, but as a parent and as a professional in the sports performance and sports 
science side of things that it was really cool to hear all his different perspectives and when it comes down to it every single person's recovery is different every single person whose child is recovering is different so I think it's hard to give exactly the kind of answer that everybody wants to hear is like this is how you get through it but really there's no one way to get through it so I liked Robbie's answers I liked that um you know, it's, it's about keeping your kids level-headed. It's about knowing that every day is going to be hard work and every day might be different, but it's still a part of the progress back to where you're going. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Robbie Elliott is one of the greatest players probably to come out of Newcastle, one of the smartest guys I've ever met in doing the sports science side of things with Nike right now. So we really appreciate his time and him sharing his journey and his son's journey and uh, his journey into sports science with us all. If you guys know anybody that you think you want to have us interview, let us know. Hit us up in the reviews and put the person's name in there and we'll try to reach out to them. We've got a few different really cool podcasts lined up after this four-week series that we're doing with players, parents, coaches, and teammates. So um, stoked about that, but excited to get back to interviewing some different athletes as well. So I am proud of this community. If you're out there and you're listening to this, you're pushing through something, you're overcoming adversity, and that should be enough for you to give yourself a pat on the back and tell yourself to keep going. We encourage you and go out there, show your scars with pride, and just smile. Smile today. It's it's a day worth smiling. All right, we'll talk to you soon.